Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Believe in Betting Chicago. It's Joey Christopoulos with another episode today brought to you by betonline.ag. Today, we're going to talk about sports. Can I do it? Did I used to do it? Yes, I did. We are going to talk about some sports today, and we're going to talk baseball today. So I'm going to bring in my Cubs man, my man from the north side, Sean Graves. How are you, man? Joey, I am doing fantastic. And it, it's it's a real-life thing, Joey. There are sports again hopefully so let it let it flow over you let it seek in like a baptism because baseball is hopefully back baby it is feeling very fleeting right now i think the fact that we scheduled this chat between the two of us today was excellent timing because let's be real after today or the next week or so i mean i'm more than happy i would love to be talking about baseball and opening day and who's got a chance and who can do it in that 60 game stretch and all that other stuff but the last 24 hours has been pretty tough For those of you that aren't necessarily following what's going along, Buster Olney over the weekend did an interview, and they asked him a question of how likely do you think it is that the baseball season will be able to complete its 60-game schedule? And he said 0%. What is the percentage, Buster, that you think that baseball would actually be able to begin at the start date that they have right now? He put it at 5%. So let's just kind of dive in right there, Sean. Your general thoughts, do you think we're going to have baseball? Man, you know, I, I actually heard Buster locally today kind of reiterate that again. And he said he's saying that based off of info he's getting from people at the team level. And, I, you know, I, I guess we, we really won't know till what, this next week as they start testing these guys every other day. We, we see what the number's coming back in. You know, if it's 25% of guys testing, that's probably a massive problem. If they keep it down below 10%, I think that's probably what you would expect, at least in my head. I, I'm just keeping my fingers crossed, man. It's so hard to imagine with everything spiking across the country. You know, what do you do if you're the Atlanta Braves, if you're the teams in Texas, if you're the teams in Arizona? Can you play baseball there? Can you have teams from other cities travel in? So I, I, I understand Buster's pessimism, but I'm going to hopefully, hopefully lean towards the optimistic, at least until I start hearing the numbers come in. One of the red flags for me right now is that we still don't have a day-to-day schedule for baseball. Yes. And that has me a little concerned, not just because of travel, but also because, you know, how exactly are we going to do this? There's going to be a lot of interdivision play. There's going to be a little bit of some interleague. You're going to see like Cubs versus White Sox, things like that. But as of right now, I'm kind of sort of confused of, you know, how are they going to do homestands? You know, are they going to have to sort of divert from that plan? And that's the thing is, Really, for baseball fans right now, it's really about kind of rationalizing your expectations on the season. And I think a big part of that and one of the sobering realities is we love to have that broad conversation of if someone wins the World Series this year and the 60-game schedule, will it count? And I'm kind of on the side of, you know, if you play the games, if you do something, no matter what the set is, you will actually have a champion among that round-robin set, that tournament that you create, whether it's 60 games, 162, 360 but I am starting to wrap my head around this concept of, you know, just playing it out. You know, the Cubs are six games ahead in first place with two weeks to go. And then, you know, I, player X, I'm not even going to put a name on the player. Sure. Player X says Corona and out for the year. You know, just something that drastically changes the complexion and dynamic of these rosters as things go along. And yes. Buster only, I think, is definitely bringing up some very sobering realities of that they might get this thing started and then this thing might have to stop at some yep. point. And I mean, what, what percentage, what, what percentage are you right now at probably the season starting? I, I, 
again, I'm going to lean towards the optimistic, and, and I don't know that this is an optimistic number, but in these situations, I'll, I'll, I'll take it as one. So I'll, I'll say it's kind of a coin flip. I'll go 50-50 right now that, that they'll actually get this thing going. I think it's more likely what you just said, they'll get it going, and then, God forbid, you have one guy gets it on one team, and that team has an outbreak in six players. I think that's more likely to happen where you get it going, and then three weeks in, six weeks in, they have to just pull the plug and say, guys, we can't do this. The numbers across the country are insane right now. We can't have this bubble like they do in the NBA. And, you know, going back to your scheduling thing, what I don't understand with this, they, they've kind of already come out and said that, like, so let's say that the Cubs are playing the Reds for 10 games, which is what's going to happen. They're not going to do five-game series. Like, why wouldn't you play five in Cincinnati, five in Chicago? And to call win? it a day limit the travel why would you make you know these players go back and forth it really doesn't I mean I heard someone say you know why don't they just play 10 games in a row I think that's a bit that's a bit monotonous I'm not a fan of that like I but I do think they they should go five and five to, to break it up and and not make you know the Reds come here twice or us go there twice or, or, or what have you and yeah, I don't feel like ten. I don't feel like ten in a row against one team yeah. to get the job done. I think that would be really weird. You would have situations yeah. where you'd have, yeah, you Darvish facing someone for the second time in like six days, which I'm really competitively in baseball. Yeah. That is a completely different story. But yeah. I am. I, I I was kind of sort of assuming that they would do it. Where like you're just going to see a lot of ten game home stands, mm-hmm. and I think the five game series is very very doable. Where you bring two teams in. And you just sort of kind of clipping it off there. And you go in these 10-game increments, 10 games at home, 10 games away, 10 games at home, 10 games away, so on and so forth. It's almost like you're sort of splitting them up into these two-week increments yeah. um, during that time. So there's a, lot, there's a lot to talk about right now. And you mentioned previous to the pod, and um, I, I'm just hearing this now, so maybe give a little extra information. Tommy Hadavi, I guess, is talking to the Chicago Press today about testing positive for COVID. And I keep going back to, to David Ross missed four or five days in spring training, yeah. his actual games, missed his first spring training game as a manager because he was sick. You're like, oh, wow, he must be really sick. But then he missed like two or three days after that too as well. Really kind of makes you think about what he was going through as well. What can you tell us about uh, what, what is, what's the deal with Hadavi right now? I mean, I just, you know, kind of what, you know, what I heard on the, the radio and, and read today that, you know, he, it, it hit him hard, like a solid month, like lost 15 pounds, had to quarantine, you know, and, and I think the kind of rules are you have to just keep getting tested every day and you're not allowed to be back around people until what you, you're, you're below a certain temperature for a good two, three, four tests in a row. So he, from what he said today on the radio, he's, he's, a, he's still a young dude, like 38 with no pre-existing conditions and it just leveled him which is, you know, that's a sobering thing to hear. And it's probably something he can take and use to be a guide to the rest of the guys coming back about, hey, you got to take this serious. You got to do the things we're asking you to do. And it kind of makes me wonder too, like, if, you know, and this kind of goes back to baseball, just blowing this whole negotiation. If they could have done something like the NBA or like maybe that what hockey's trying to do where they, they kind of put, you know, four cities and bubbled up in those four cities and have this, the divisions play in there, and then only come the playoffs would you then travel to the team you're playing. But we're past all that now. So, yeah, it's interesting, man. The other thing about that is that, you know, you're, I heard Jed Hoyer talking yesterday that at this point no Cub has decided to opt out. Everyone's coming back to play. You know, that, that again, that could change if guys start coming in and testing positive. 
you know, I wonder if a guy like a Lester or a Rizzo, who, you know, cancer survivors, things like that, guys that Chris Bryan, who has a very young son that was, you know, a newborn. So we'll see going forward. But it sounds Johnny like Lester, was, cancer survivor. Yeah, man. But it sounds like it was a hellish experience for Hadavi. And it's, it's, you know, it's nice to find that out today that it has happened to somebody and he can, he came through it and he can tell you about his story. It's just disappointing because in retrospect, and I don't think that there is an answer to this at all, but you're almost sort of like, what if they could have gotten this, this ball rolling in May? Or yeah. what, if we could have, what if we could have been playing games by, well, I mean, I guess if we had been playing games by now, maybe we would have been dealing with more issues because of the spikes throughout the States. But yeah, yeah I mean, honestly, I think, I think the original idea of, of trying to split it up before, which sounds hilarious now between like Arizona and Florida and just creating two yeah. sites where teams can kind of truck back and forth, maybe not do American league versus national league and just do one side yeah. and the other side. And obviously now those are the two States that are, that are spiking like crazy. Absolutely. So there's a lot up in the air still. We're not quite sure whether this is going to happen. So it is a perfect time now. Let's just get it in now. Uh, let's just get in all that fun little Cubs chatter, all the things that we were excited about. The over-unders are out right now. And I kind of want to start there because just such an interesting setup to a 60-game season. People that don't necessarily follow baseball on a day-to-day basis, you have to understand that any team can put together a pretty strong 60-game stretch. Yep. Ryan Rosillo of the Ringer, he brought up a great stat about how the previous season before, I think it was the Baltimore Orioles were the only team that were able to play. Every single team in the major leagues last year played 500 baseball for at least a 40-game stretch last year, except for the Baltimore Orioles. They had a stretch where they played like 13 and 12 or something like that, but that's about it. But even the worst teams like the Marlins at one point had a 23 and 22 stretch. So this thing is going would be as jammed up is absolutely as could possibly be. I think the highest win total is 38, uh, which yeah. isn't as high as you would think it is. And if I counted it correctly, we have 10 teams in Vegas right now with over-unders in the 30 to 31.5 range, and the Cubs are one of those teams in there. So let's just talk about that, Sean. I mean, just projecting that final week. Um, you know, there's a oh, scenario where everyone in the, in the NL Central is within two or three games of each other with a week to play. Pretty crazy. It's, yeah, it's very crazy. I mean, you know, that was one thing just, they discussed, too, about expanding the playoffs so more teams would get in, obviously more revenue. But, I, you know, I, I, I wanted to see that. But now that they didn't do it, it makes this the last week of this 60 games even more insane because it's the ultimate stretch run. Like, they, like every game will be played like the game, like game seven of the World Series. You'll see the second someone gets in trouble, they're getting pulled. You'll have bullpen guys coming in the fourth inning. And the over-under, you know, I, I took a thing recently where it, it asked my guess on what I thought the best team may be. I think I said the best team would be like 41 to 44 wins, Yankees, Dodgers, something like that. Uh, and then we talked the other day, too, about kind of some cubby odds. You know, originally Vegas had the Cubbies at 30 to 1 to win the whole thing. I think I've now seen them 20 to 1. And this is a, this is a betting podcast. You know me, man. Give me 20, 30 bucks on those odds right now. I'll take that $20 bet on 20 to 1, take my 400 bucks, see you tomorrow, because anything is possible this year. And they also had the Cubs, like you said, middle of the pack, like 31 and a half, I think, over under for wins. But yet, Zip's projection has the Cubs winning the division by a game. So are, are we really thinking that it's going to be like 32 and 28 wins the Central Division? I, I, I don't know about that. 
And that's what's so crazy, right, is you've got projected models out there giving the Cubs, I think, in some areas, over 50% chance of making it to the playoffs. You've got these other areas, too, as well, that are doing all these sim, these sim projections and having the yeah. Cubs disappoint and Johnny Lester being a horrible pitcher, which we'll get to in just a second. The other thing, too, as well, which is really interesting, is baseball, in, with only 60 games to play, one, one hot streak yeah. kind of makes your season. Yes. If you at one point put together seven or eight wins in a row, or let's just say you win nine out of 11, or maybe you do 12 out of 14, I mean, that's your season right there. Yep. All you have to do is pretty much play 500 baseball the rest of the way, and you are guaranteed at least probably a shot at the playoffs, yep. which is so unique and interesting. And it's really hard to handicap, right? Like, we're really not going to know until the bell rings of which team is actually going to, you know, hit the ground running and which team is probably going to struggle through obviously this unprecedented time. And you would like to think that a team with veteran moxie with guys that have been there before, like the Cubs, you know, this isn't April and May, right? Yes. This isn't Anthony Rizzo hitting with his sleeves on hitting, hitting in the cold. I mean, we're all going to be coming back in the thick of the summer with balls flying out right away. And this is prime time for veterans to really turn their season on. I know this is when they're getting started, but you got to think that gives the Cubs just a a little bit of an edge, especially in the division. Yeah. I mean, you would think so. I mean, you're starting the season in the stretch run. This is something the Cubs have been through in 15, 16, 17, 18. So you would definitely think experience plays a part in this. I, I guess my, my only worry would be, you know, we always talk about like good starts, right? We talked about last year with the Cubs. It's, it's important to get out to a good start. If any of these guys, any of these veterans kind of come out because they're not quite in shape, not quite built up, and they have that slow first week. I mean, let's say your first 10 games are five against the Brewers, five against the Cardinals. You go three and seven, two and eight, we'll see you next year. You, don't, you know what I mean? You don't have 150 games left to build out of this, the, the five or six game deficit you gave yourself. Like, it is so important the first week and the last week of the season, which is a little weird to say, might be the most important two weeks of this entire schedule. You have one bad week in the beginning, you're done. You have a bad week in the end, you're probably done as well. Yeah, so for that veteran moxie argument, the pushback on that is that for the last couple of years – the division is kind of caught up to the Cubs yeah. and not just on like a talent level, but on basically how the Cubs were able to sort of beat up on the Reds, beat up on the Pirates. Those first couple of years, uh, you know, 2015, 16, 17, were beating up on the Brewers a little bit, yeah. playing very well against the Cardinals, beat the Cardinals in the playoffs. And now those games aren't quite as easy. They've had a hard time closing out the Brewers the last couple of years. The Reds are no longer a gimme. And nope. a lot of people think them they have this kind of dark horse mentality of coming in and maybe doing something because they've added a lot of pieces. I'm not so sure, but in the Cubs' perspective, they're not going to be an easy team to play. Well, and, and that's the thing too, right? We look at our division, and, we, and like you just said, you would think the Reds are better. You would think the Cardinals will be there, the Brewers will be there, and the Pirates will be the one team you step all over. But again, like we just said, in a 60-game season – Anybody can be high. What if the Pirates come out and go 19 and 11 the first 30? I mean, if you look back to last season, if you played like the what the first 60, I think the Pirates were a playoff team and the Nationals would have been out of the playoffs and they they go on to win the World Series. So we we can't really say for sure, you know, no rebuilding team has a chance because sometimes when you have young kids that are just playing for a job and playing for the love of the game, a la kind of the 2015 Cubs, they just go out and ball out. 
and you never know. You could run into a bus all like that and be like, what the hell? How did we go two and eight against the Pirates when they were supposed to be garbage this year? Yeah, a guy like Colin Moran or something like that could be leading the National League in RBIs after the first month. We've seen Josh Bell, like yeah. That. Josh Bell, Josh Bell has 20 home runs in 40 games, something like that. Well, and that's it. You're taking out the element, and that's the true test in baseball where the cream eventually does rise to the crop because you play so many games. Yeah. And and everything goes up and down, and there's so many different adjustments. And that is what's so hard for young players is to be able to put together a 162 game season and have it look good on the back of the baseball card. That's why we do splits of post-All-Star game, you know, pre-All-Star game, everything like that. And there are some definite indicators with certain players that that thrive early on, tail off in the end, or get off to slow starts and come on a little bit later. And this 60-game schedule is going to be a really interesting litmus test on who can either manage that and kind of even that out or whether it just sort of is what it is and a guy just gets off to a bad start and can't come back. You know, 1911 for the Pirates, all they have to do then is just, serve, you know, hold serve at yep. 500 baseball the rest of the way. And they're looking at the, not, I, I don't yeah. know about it, October baseball, right? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're right there. Well, I think too, you know, the biggest thing that from taking a decent baseball player and making them really good or great is just consistency. And I think as you become a veteran, you do learn to kind of brush off those slumps a little bit more because we all know even the best players, Mike Trout, Rizzo, Bryant, they're going to have that week, that week and a half where they hit a buck 80 with no homers, you know, three RBIs and you're pulling their hair out. Now the thing in a 60 game situation, I mean, God forbid you have Rizzo and Bryant go cold at the same time for seven, 10 games. Again, that could sink you. But I think those guys would have a better chance of pulling out of a colder slump quicker than let's say, some of the younger guys on, on maybe the White Sox in town who it would start to be overbearing and the pressure of like, holy, holy shit, like we're five games out. We only have 30 games to go. You start grabbing that bat and it's a little bit tighter chasing pitches you shouldn't be chasing. And I think that's where hopefully the Cubs experience will come through where they can take that deep breath in those moments and they will know how to kind of take it game by game and understand that. Yeah, for the White Sox, I look at a guy like Yohan Moncada, and I think the dude is super-duper talented. But if he comes sure. out of the gate and struggles kind of right away, yeah. you know, that can kind of snowball a little bit. And then you know maybe he plays good in those final 20 games, but then you look back and be like, oh, man, what the hell happened? Yeah. Let's kind of dive in a little bit into the roster on the Cubs right now. Let's do maybe a little bit of a refresher course of who's on this team. Uh, <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a while, my friend. <laughs> I know. I honestly, like, I straight up, Forgot about Jason Kipnis for half a second. Yeah. Um, I honestly did. And I kind of want to start at the DH. We're going to be using Universal DH in both the American League and the National League. We don't need to get into necessarily a philosophical, esoteric thing of whether we like that or not, because it's happening whether we like it or not. So my question for you is, how do you think they're going to deploy the DH? Because I know Kyle Schwarber seems like an obvious choice, but I'm going to probably go the other way and say, I think it's going to be a rotating cast of guys. What do you think? Uh, well, first off, I will say I love that we have the DH. Um, no, but I think you're spot on. Uh, and, and I think David Ross was even on record this week of saying that, that he promised Kyle Schorber that he would not make him just straight up the DH. Uh, I think you're correct, too. It's going to be kind of a rotating thing because you're going to use it, too. You know, there's going to be days where you need to give Willie a break from behind the plate, but you don't want to lose that bat, especially when you have a guy like Vic Caratini who's a switch hitter who – He's a pretty damn good hitter himself, right? So I think you'll see Willie out there. I think you'll see uh, – uh, I forget this guy was on the team too, but uh, Souza, right? He's a guy you'll see in the DH. I think, you know, a guy like Rizzo, he's probably going to play 
55, 58 games at first, but you still might want to give him a couple of days, especially with his back issues, to take a breath. Maybe well, he can play. Of- he can play on the days when he's not when he's not out there. So I still think I think you're. I, I do ultimately think though that if I had to give it a percentage, I still would maybe sixty percent Schwarber's or DH. The other 40% is split up between those guys we just mentioned. I mean, it just, it just fits, man. We all know this. We all love Schwarbs. But you, Johnny Lester is going to do cartwheels and backflips on the days he starts if, if Schwarbs is not in left field dropping or misplaying that one ball a start when Lester's out there, right? Yeah, exactly. That little duck snort that gets right yeah. in front of him. Yeah, I agree. I think Schwarbs is definitely going to see a lion's share of the at-bats. But at the same time, too – I think get ready to see a lot of different kinds of lineups. I think they're going to give Ian Happ the longest look um, imaginable. He's going to have the longest leash of probably any of the young guys on the team. I think they're probably going to sort of be more or less a little stuck with Almora, maybe mix and match there and kind of move some guys around. I also think you're going to see KB in left field a little bit more on the days when you want to use Bodie. Um, there could even be a situation where Javi goes back to third base for a little bit and Nico Horner can play short. You brought up Souza, and again, a guy that you're kind of hoping sort of gets a chance to reclaim his career a little bit. Not that it was a great career to begin with, but he's been kind of injured the past few years. And I did a little splits, a little splits action here. And I don't know, this might get you going just a tad. And I think we might see a lot of Souza very early on in the season, 2016, the first 65 games for Souza. Hit 10 home runs with 11 doubles and 27 RBIs. 251 batting average, but still, that's pretty good. Yeah. 2017, first 76 games of the season. Hit 12 doubles, 52, uh, 15 home runs, and 52 RBIs. 482 slugging. And then his numbers just nosedive after that, which is why on the back of his baseball card, you see a lot of 239s, 229s. Of course. Like that. So the guy has been known to... Get off to a pretty solid, decent start. Square the baseball up. He just can't keep it going for long stretches. This type of season, that actually yeah. in his favor. You don't need the long stretches, right? Just give me – literally, give me, give me a hot month, and you've done your job. Well, and let me, let me ask you this question, too, since we're talking about the DH. The, the one, you know, there's two knocks we keep hearing on the Cubs, and I'm sure we'll get to the pitching in a few minutes. But the other knock, knock is, is that a lot of people are saying that the DH is going to help a lot of teams like the Reds, but it doesn't necessarily help the Cubs because the Cubs don't have the depth they used to have. And I don't know. I'm a little on the fence about that. Like as we go through this and we talk about, you know, rotating that DH and that they do have guys that they can, like a Willie can go DH and Vic can, can catch and it's not some massive drop-off. I don't know that I agree. Yeah, maybe it's not the depth they had in 2015 and 2016, but I don't know that it's just like massive drop-off. And I think that as much as the Cubs offense has struggled the last two years, the DH will absolutely help them by getting another bat in the lineup. I think there's a huge double-edged sword going on. And it's kind of a, a tale of two different stories where I'm going to agree with you. 2016, 2015, first of all, you had Zobrist on the team. Yes. Which was a guy who was such a professional, he could take two days off, come back and get three hits, and then sit down again. So that's great too as well. The other one is that you know guys like that were coming off the bench like Almora – we're so good in that role of yeah. just kind of seeing the baseball, sort of hitting the baseball. And as the years have gone on and those guys have reg- regressed, sure. I would probably counter and say that it wasn't like we were giving Almora too many at-bats. It was almost like we were giving him too many inconsistent at-bats at times. Yeah. And these guys like Ian Happ, I'm looking at a dude like that, looking at a dude like David Bowie, Bodie, who I'm kind of sort of hoping can have a bit of a bounce-back season. Sure. You know, maybe those guys would benefit from having – 
you know, 12, 15, 20 at-bats in a row at a time yeah. to sort of work through the kinks. And, you know, if you're Ian Happ, you're, you know, it's either home run or bust with him. Maybe yeah. he doesn't necessarily need to play that game now. So yeah. I still kind of like our depth a little bit. Not super crazy about our outfield rotation, but we always forget that Chris Bryant ends up out there anyways. Yes. But I don't know. I, I like Caratini. I think he's probably one of the better backups that we've had since, you know, you know, the Mickey, Mickey Montero was on the yeah. way down a little bit when Willie came up. So I think that that tandem's still really strong. I like our infield. Not sure how I feel about Kipnis, but it's the same way. I'm not sure how to think about Horner. Yeah. But I, the DH is just good because it sort of takes away, I think, some of the idea of it's great to have depth, but at the same time, you got to get these guys into a rhythm. And that was always Joe Madden's magic. And maybe yeah. David Ross doesn't need to have that same magic this time where he can let these guys play a little bit more. Agreed. And I think also, too, what some people are not bringing up with the DH is that it's not just offensively that it gets another bat. It improves our defensive outfield alignment as well. I mean, A, it lets us most likely keep Jason Hayward in right field where he needs to be, where he's still a go-glover. Putting him in center, he's just fine. He's not great. So it lets us keep him in right, and then we have far more options. Because let's face it, whether it's Ian Happ, Chris Bryant, whoever. Willie Contreras. Willie Contreras, (laughs) left field. They're all probably at least slightly above Schwarber out. Schwarber's got a cannon, don't get me wrong, but I'd rather see a guy like Hap or or Almora out in the outfield playing defense. And this way we don't have – we can keep Schwarber's bat in the game as a DH for the most part and not have to do some defensive replacement like in the sixth, seventh inning. So I think think it helps us twofold, both offensively and defensively in the outfield. And you're hitting on something that I think no one is thinking about right now is that this whole depth conversation, that's National League talk, man. Yes. You're not doing that switch anymore in the sixth inning, the fifth inning. You're not pulling a pinch hitter off the bench because Tyler Chatwood's just walked the world. You know what I mean? Like you still have these guys on your bench to be able to use whenever you want to. And we're also in a situation where we're going to be cutting down on what they think is going to be the length of extra inning games. I mean, I think – we still have the cast of characters to have representative depth to be able to fill all these holes on a day-to-day basis and not always feel like, you know, we have to pinch hit Schwarber in the seventh inning or, you know what I mean? Pull him for defensive purposes. All that stuff is a little bit out the window. And I think that's an advantage. No one's realizing. Yeah. And and I think the only way, you know, like you said, that's, that's kind of old school national league talk. We're doing American league baseball now, which again, I love. And I think the only, only kind of spot now where it kind of reverts back a little bit is when we get in those, that new rule of like runner on second base past the 12th inning where you have to say, Oh, okay. Well, Rizzo was the last guy at the plate in the 11th. So he has to start off on second base. Do I, do I, do I sub Almora to get a faster runner and risk losing Rizzo for the next six innings? If it goes that far, or do I leave, leave Rizzo out there knowing he might not score the winning run on a single yada yada. So that's where that strategy comes back in play. Yeah, that's a totally different pod, man, because I don't, know how, I don't know how to feel about that one right now. There's going to be days where we love it and days where we're going to hate it, and eventually one of those is going to win out, and that will probably inform who would, whatever opinion wants that someone's going to have on that whole new rule of the, the player starting on second base in the extra innings. Yeah. I mean, it's all just going to be sort of chance that's going to I would see I would someone's say opinion, I and I can't buy into that. I, I mean, I would just say for this year on that real quickly, don't get worked up. Everything goes this year. We're talking about a 60-game season. And then the other quick thing is they did this in AAA last year, and 
I think it was kind of proven statistically that that rule, that guy at second base, it did speed the game up in a pretty decent amount percentage-wise. So, But don't get worked up over it, man. This is a 60-game season. Let's just have fun. Whatever happens, happens, you know? Yeah, it also takes out the whole, like, and another one, two, three inning. We're going yeah. to the 14th. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, at, at some point, We don't, too, we don't need that little, this year. We don't yeah, need gets, that this year. Gets a little maddening. So um, before we switch over to the pitching, just general thoughts on Ross's decision. We're going to do KB1, Rizzo2. Just your general thoughts on that real quick. I love that in spring training. You know, you know we've talked about this for years. I've wanted KB in the leadoff spot for the last couple of years. Doesn't hit a ton with guys in running, runners in scoring position. Let him lead off. He can pop a home run. He's got a good batting average, a good on base. Let him lead off. And I love Rizzo in the two-hole. Loved it in spring training. I love it now because, again, we keep talking about fast starts, right? You get off to fast starts in games by having a fast start to the game. So if you can have KB and Rizzo three times a week come out and go back-to-back base knocks, and I've got first and third or second and third, or it's one nothing or 2 nothing after two batters, I'm all for it, especially now that we have the DH, and I can slide a guy like Shorber. If he comes out hot, he can bat cleanup. Willie can bat cleanup, et cetera. So I'm all for it still. Very curious to see. Yeah, I'm all on board with it too as well. You know, I think KB can just work a good at bat. Of course, there's days where he can't, you know, he couldn't hit a beach ball, but, you know, that's just sort of kind of how the season goes. I'm not going to More fastballs for Rizzo. More fastballs for Rizzo, which is what we want to see. More fastballs for Rizzo and honestly get them out of that shift and have him hitting into a little bit more of a normal defensive alignment. Chris Bryant, I'm a big fan of his base running. I can see a lot of scenarios of a hard hit ball making its way through the infield, and you got first and third with Javi coming up. Really interesting to see how they kind of build the lineup around that top end there after yeah. that because you're thinking probably Javi maybe third. Yeah. And you're also thinking, well, okay, then obviously maybe Schwarber cleanup, Willie Contreras fifth, but then it gets really interesting on that back half of the lineup where you're kind of selecting from the Almoras, the Jason Haywards, mm-hmm. uh, the Jason Kipnesses. Um, on the team and whoever you're going to play in left field, maybe it's Ian Happ. You know, it could get a little dicey on that back half of the lineup by front-loading it like that. Yeah. But I do think it's going to create a lot of interesting situations to get the lead early. And I think that's yeah. something that the Cubs have been struggling with the past couple of years. Well, I think it's a big thing too. And, and you're right. It might be Javi at three. My, my, you know, my, I love Javi, but my one thing, and for all of us, the one thing is contact. I think it's very important, whether it is Javi, it's Schwarber, Willie, whoever bats third, if you're going to have KB and Riz on base, we got to have a guy making contact. It does me no good to have first and second and you come up and strike out, and then then the inning kind of just goes the wrong way. If I got first and third, I need you to understand, give me the ground ball to second base and score the run. So if that's Javi, great. If they go to the route and push Javi back to cleanup where he's done pretty good, I wouldn't be upset about that either. So real quick, who do you like in that three-hole spot? Because that's tough. Schwarber's not a a sure thing either. And and, and Contreras Contreras probably makes the most contact out out of that trio. I just don't feel like sometimes he understands situations enough to do the right thing up at the plate. I don't know either whether it's pitch selection or he emotionally gets a little bit ahead of himself and he takes a bad swing at something, you know, who, who's that guy in the three hole for you? You know, and, and, and I've been thinking about this and, you know, I I think a, it depends on who's playing where on any given day. Uh, You know, and this is, and again, keep this in mind that I'm not, I'm not, 
I'm not looking for this guy to give me a three-run bomb. I'm looking for a guy consistently to make contact. How about uh, number 22 out in right field? Jay yeah, I was Hay. just about to say, Jay Hay. I Seriously, mean, work, I, work a professional at bat, can put the ball in play, can still run a little bit. So if it's on yeah. the ground, he can maybe beat out then, a double play. Put, yeah, and then you put someone like Javi behind him. So if Jay Hay does his job, even if he makes a productive out, you're keeping the inning going. Now Javi's coming to the plate. You've already got a run in, still got a runner at second base or a runner at third. Now we're talking about crooked number possibly. Just give me that guy like Jay Hay. Even in, he did a good job last year if he's on the team, rookie. But a guy that makes contact so far, Nico Horner. Now we'll see. Again, only his second year in the league. They could, re, they could adjust. He could, he could fall on his face. But I don't know. I just need someone there that's going to put the ball in play and not strike out 30 35%. Well, and that's the key to that situation is, is is finding out who that three guy is. And what if yeah. it could be someone like Jason Hayward? Because now all of a sudden, now we're talking about a lineup, right? Because now maybe yeah. you move Javi to clean up, you put Schwarber in fifth, you put Willie in sixth, and then you got the seven, eight, nine guys is going to be the mixed match of, you know, Hap and Almora and all those other kinds Rick of stuff. Heaney, all those guys, yeah. Yeah, and now you're really kind of talking about a lineup that's, that's, that's maybe got something to it. Yeah. And – you know, I, I don't know. We've seen crazier things, but what if? Not, what man? if Jay Hay leads the team in RBIs in a 60 season? You know, like he was—he had a pretty good start last year and sort of tailed off a little bit. I think he yeah. was hitting in the 270s at one point, yeah. and that's yeah, definitely sure. something that could happen. Um, and he yeah. definitely does still have that ability, especially Wrigley in August, September, where it's warm. He can still give you that three-run bomb. He's got pop in the bat, so it's not like you're completely losing that. You know, you're not putting me in the three spot, right? The guy can still give you 10 to 15 bombs, which if he gives you, let's say, in a 60-game season, if he gives you seven, if he gives you seven, eight home runs, but he hits 260, 270 in that, in that three spot behind Rizzo and Bryant, you'd probably be pretty damn happy, wouldn't you? What an interesting ask from a, a person who's hitting in the three-hole of, like, you don't necessarily need him to pop yeah. that home run because you yeah. got three sluggers coming up that can easily do it. Yeah in any moment right after just that. So inning, just keep the inning going for me. Keep the contact. Keep the ball rolling. Yeah, you're asking for something else completely coming out of him. Jay Hay in the three-hole. Uh, you heard it here first if it happens. And honestly, happens, maybe is. I'm in the moment. Maybe I'm excited for baseball, but I kind of think it's a good idea. I think we've stumbled upon something here really quick. Uh, we're going to get over to the pitching staff in just a second, but first let's hear a word from our sponsor, betonline.ag. They've been one of the fantastic sponsors here at Believe uh, Podcast Network over the last several months. And there's no shortage of action going on right now at betonline.ag. Baseball's on the way back. NBA's trying to make it work. But UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and soccer, even golf are already leading the way. And betonline.ag has all the best lines and odds for upcoming games and matches. Are you looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline.ag has got you covered with hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and all the best props in the business. So what are you waiting for? Right after this pod, get on that mobile device and click right now on BetOnline.ag. And you're going to receive a welcome bonus if you start playing today. Go to BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. Back to the pod. Before we get to the pitching staff, I think just in general to put a bow on it, I do like the Cubs to get a little bit over that 31.5. I would say probably an over in that situation. In terms of the NL Central, I think the sucker is going to be really, really close. I think in this 60-game format, especially in the NL Central, you're in a situation where I think you could have three-way ties. I think you could have four-way ties. I yeah. mean, you've got 10 teams in baseball with their over-under starting at about 500. Yep. 
you know, how, I mean, we're not, we're not going to have a team that's going to go 10 and 50, right? You know, some of these no. bad teams are going to win ball games too as well. And I don't know, just real quick, uh, do you like the Cubs for over 31, 31.5 right now? I do. My, my personal number in my head is around 35. I think if I think 35 and what would that be? 35 and 25. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good, good over under number. I think that gives them a real shot to win the division. Cause I think the division is going to be pretty competitive. I don't think someone's going to come out in that division and run off and win 40, 42 games. Don't see it happening. Yeah. 35 and 25. The narrative is uh, David Ross. It's a new era, new time. He's playing, yeah. they're playing their, his brand of baseball. And yeah, man, if you're 35 and 25, you got a shot at winning the whole deal. You're, yeah, you're in no it. doubt. Cause you're playing good baseball. You're winning your two out of threes. You're sweeping here and there. Um, you know, maybe it is punctuated by a little bit of a winning streak, but that seems to be a little bit more of a level of uh, probably a team that's just getting it done on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Let's talk about the pitching staff real quick. We're going to kind of work backwards on this one because the last time I had you on talking about Cubs baseball, we were talking about, I have it in my notes here. We were talking about Rowan Wick getting roughed up in spring training we were talking about the bullpen arms, uh, Kimbrel bouncing back, Alec Mills, Tyler Chatwood, all this other kinds of stuff. Real quick, I don't want to, I don't want to, um, you know, I don't want to take it down a notch, but all this stuff kind of doesn't really matter anymore, right? Like, in terms of the way that the bullpens are going to be set up, the way that the extra innings are now set up, the yeah. game schedule itself, this really kind of changes the complexion in an advantageous way for the Cubs and their bullpen situation. Well, yeah, I mean, first I'll say anything that was happening with the guy in spring training part one, which feels like nine years ago now, flush all that. Who cares? It's gone. We are now in, you know, we're in summer camp. Got the sleeping bags, making the s'mores. We're starting it all over. Uh, Having said that, I will say the one biggest fear I have on this team is the bullpen. I know I've heard a lot of folks talk about starting pitching. For me, it's the bullpen because there's a – there's just so many damn new guys down there. And B, you've got a new manager that's never dealt with this before. And typically it kind of takes a month into the season for a manager to start figuring out, okay, I can kind of use this guy here. Who this can guy I trust? Here. You don't have that. You don't have the season 60 games. It's two months. You don't have a month. So Ross is going to have to really hone in on this summer camp here these next three weeks and really you know, try to get a feel for who's, who's having a good few weeks and those are going to be the guys he has to trust out of the shoot because we can pretty much say that Kimbrell's going to be the closer, at least to start. I would have to say at this point, Wick is probably going to be your eighth inning guy. Past that, it's a coin toss. It really is going to be about who's had, who has a good next three weeks that David Ross can go into that. And us as fans, we have to understand, like, hey, the guy's a new manager. It's a crazy-ass season. He's still learning these guys, and they're all new to the team. Maybe Ryan can have a good year again from the left side. Can I ask you about that? Were you, were you surprised they left the, uh, at least so far, they left the draft pick from this year, the Caraway kid off the, the initial like 50 man? Yeah, surprised because I thought that was the whole reason why they made the pick. I mean, obviously yeah. you don't make a pick just because you need it for one particular season, but I felt like that sure. it was an attractive selection for them because they could probably bring him in right away i was yeah. surprised i saw braylon marquez on there so i was automatically assuming we were also going to see caraway not too sure how that's going to be able to change of course if people drop out or if people test positive they're going to have to be able to make those selections and move those people in and out but yeah, yeah very surprised by that because and that's 
that's the door number one door, door number two for David Ross, right? Is in that yeah. first month, you either walk in and you go, okay, I don't trust anybody. Probably going to have to use Kimbrel maybe a little bit more than I'd like to. Might, might have to use Kimbrel in games when we're up by five runs in that ninth yeah. inning just to close things out and make things nice and tidy. The other side of that is I got to learn how to trust these guys right now, and maybe you're putting some games in peril yep. when you aren't necessarily should be doing that because you are trying to save maybe a Kimbrel for a stretch run or trying yep. to not overuse a veteran like that. So it's going to be a lot of – it's going to be a lot of, I think, touch and feel. Like, there's no analytics for this, right? I don't think yeah. all this, this sport now that has been trending towards analytics and stats and for the past few years, and we know how these guys operate and how many innings is enough for them and how many days they can go in a row. I think all yeah. that stuff is out the window. From the starter's perspective, I think there are situations where you should be allowed to let these guys maybe go 110, 115 pitches. Yeah. And so it's going to be this crazy feel-out process that I don't think team by team is going to resemble – it's not going to look the same on every single team. For sure. And I'll say this about the starters too. Like I'm, I'm not as fearful about that as some people are, specifically because it's 60 games. I don't need Johnny Lester to make 35 starts. He's going to get – if you take a five-man rotation, which is what they're saying right now, that's, that's 12 starts. Now, me personally, I think they – they, they're going to have built in apparently six off days into the schedule. So what I, me, I'm going to take the first few weeks into the season, let these guys build up. But if the Cubs are in it going into August and we have a few off days, yeah, I'm going four man for sure. I don't care who, I don't care if it's Darvish, Lester, whoever the odd man out is not pitching well, you're sitting down, you're going to the pen and every four days on full or every four turns on full rest, I'm going to one of my four guys that, that are dominating because I got to win the ball games. And what are we looking at right now in terms of our rotation, the Cubs rotation specifically, is we're looking at, you know, Darvish, who had a fantastic second half of his season. I don't think we're going to get the exact same Darvish that we had, which was yeah. like, it was, what was it? Something like 96 Ks in one walk or something, something crazy, some sort of crazy number off the top of my yeah. head. But I think what you are going to get is you are going to get more uh, controlled bursts of hopefully quality from Jose Quintana and John Lester. Yes. And that's really what we're looking at, right? Both those dudes in the second half of last year completely fell apart. We've ran the numbers before, but like, you know, Quintana's whip has been on the jump the last like several years. And it's really because he just runs out of gas. Yep. Um, in September of last year, 11.09 ERA, 18, two, 18 and two-thirds innings pitched, 37 hits, a lot of 402 batting average and a 2.25 whip. You know, that's when he's approaching 200 innings. Um well, I think what we're hoping, too, for Quintana and Chatwood, it's contract years. Even on this short season, right, if Quintana comes out pitching for, for a paycheck and Tyler Chatwood comes out, I mean, that dude's – imagine if Tyler Chatwood figured out the strike zone for two months. He would be Jake Arrieta in 2015 because the, the guy's stuff is that filthy. And all of a sudden the Cubs go from, like, I'm not sure about their starting rotation to, holy shit, they've got Asen Darvish – you know, kind of ace in Hendricks, ace in Chatwood, and then John Lester and Quintana as a 4-5. Like, it gets real filthy if that happens to happen. So uh, let's, let's expand this to the entire roster. I know we're talking about pitching right now, but who do you think are the biggest X factors on this team? You just mentioned Chatwood, and I think that is one of the guys that's probably yeah. at the top of the list because, one, for this season alone, if he can actually figure it out and come into the starting rotation – and, and be a positive influence, not only does that completely ch change the complexion of what we think of our pitching staff and our yeah. chances of winning, 
But man, does that set him up for a huge payday? Yeah. Perhaps one of the biggest, like, you know, aberrations. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Is, are you looking at him as the next factor? Is there someone in the bullpen because you're worried about someone in the bullpen being an X factor? Who is it for you? Well, so definitely Chatwood in the rotation. And I think in the bullpen, I think I would say it, it's Rowan Wick. Because if, if, if Kimbrell can just be himself in the ninth, we need that guy in the eighth inning to get him the ball. So if Wick can come out with that kind of rising fastball and that pretty filthy curveball he showed last year, and he can kind of be a lockdown eighth inning, an eighth inning guy, that's going to that's gonna give David Ross so many more options for a sixth and seventh inning of a possible quality arm to put in there and get us to those guys. And then lastly, an X factor, we kind of mentioned him a second ago, from a position standpoint, I'm going to say Ian Happ. He's the, he's the National League reigning player of the week going back to 2019. The dude was on fire when he came back up last year. Like, let's see if he can hone the strike zone, lay off the high fastball, make some contact, and if he can kind of become that everyday I don't know, left fielder slash center fielder and hit 280 with some pop. That, that could just be huge if a guy like that is batting sixth, seventh in your lineup with his ability to hit the ball to the ballpark and play that kind of defense over I'm going with Ian Happ as well. I mean, this is his chance, right? I never really liked him in center field. I think he's it, – it, it's sort of a position that he's still learning on the fly at the professional yeah. level. Never a great place to be for a young player. can easily take that back to the plate with you and – you know, have it drag into your offensive game as well. Switch hitter, perhaps one of the fastest guys on the team, huge pop, and now is about to get a really, really long look playing, yeah, like you said, probably, hopefully primarily in left field, probably a little bit of right field, and some days maybe in center. But that is a guy that I don't think a lot of people are talking about. You know, I think a guy can definitely hit, you know, 10-plus home runs in a 60-game stretch. Yeah. Or – and be a dude at the bottom of that lineup to roll this whole little machine over. You know, what if you got him hitting eighth or ninth and you got him on base on second base every time you got Bryant and Rizzo coming up as that lineup rolls over a little bit. And now we're really going to see him, you know, he's going to get a long look. Yeah. Madden, you know, Madden only trusted him as long as his stick was white hot, right? Yep. Like if he was so hot, Madden was the only person. That, All right. I'll give you two days in a row. Other than yeah. that, it wasn't really going to get that opportunity. So yeah. Oh, go, go for it. No, I was going to say, you're absolutely correct. And, and I wonder if that's one thing that David Ross will have a little bit more. And it's hard to tell this year because, again, such a quick season. You know, can he give a guy like an Ian Happ or an Almora or a Nico Horner, like, I'm gonna, okay, kid, I'm going to run you out there three, four, five days in a row. You can do that in 160. It, it, I wonder how, how, how much rope he will give a guy in such a short season when you're trying to win. But I think that Happ's a guy that at this point, you, you kind of need to give it to him because you do know he can provide the pop for you. He can take a walk for you as well. Let's hope he cuts out, cuts down on the strikeouts and puts the ball in play a little bit more. That is going to be one of the most interesting little subplots to watch with David Ross is when a guy's in a one for 15 right now, yeah. are you going to trust that you want to continue to have that player progress and work through that? If it's a star player, are you going to continue to ride the, the back of the baseball card and trust that he's going to pop out of it? Or yeah. is it turning into, we got to win a game today. We got to win a game today, and if it's not today, we got to win tomorrow, or we're in serious trouble for the season. Yep. It's going to be really interesting to check out as we move forward. Sean, man, thank you so much for joining us today. And my sincerest hope is that we get a chance to do this again in a week or two, and hopefully at some point, actually previewing baseball at the end of July, something that we can actually tangibly watch, and maybe we'll oh, be man. talking about some games soon. 
Dude, thank you so much for having me. You know I love discussing our Cubbies. Let's just hope it's a, a fun summer camp month of all the helicopters flying over Wrigley Field, showing us the live BP and the intra-squad games as we're allowed to just keep talking about our Cubbies and getting ready for real, actual baseball in about three weeks from now. Well said, and happy 4th of July. This was today's episode on Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. We've got one more coming for you this week for the Chicago Sports Movie Pod Series. It is Rudy coming up tomorrow, you guys. It was a really fun conversation, so make sure you check that out just before the holiday. Everyone have a wonderful time. Please be safe, be kind, be good to each other this weekend, and we're all going to get through this together. Hopefully baseball will be back soon, and we will talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.